0: GDIY profiles are bonus episodes that tell the stories of how your everyday handler got into the gun dog world. You'll hear plenty of examples of what to do as well as what not to do and how they learn from those experiences. These episodes are being put out to tell the honest stories that we, as do it yourself dog handlers, can all relate to if you think you would be a good fit for a profile episode please go to gundogatyourself.com and complete the contact form and we may get back to you so that you can share your story welcome back to another edition of the gdiy profile presented by standing stone supply this edition we're going across the pond to talk to my buddy andy norman andy how you doing this evening
1: all right thank you so
0: yep i'm doing great over here Go, go ahead and start by telling everybody where you're calling from.
1: So I'm um, calling from over in the United Kingdom um, near Lincolnshire. So quite a long way from where you guys are from. <laughs> uh, but still, we're still listening to the podcast.
0: Yeah. it's How did you stumble across the podcast from over there? Did you just start searching hunting dogs or gun dogs and we popped up?
1: I think it was um, Facebook originally. Um, I found the Facebook page or the Instagram page. And then saw, oh, there's a podcast. So, um, you know, got on my phone and then, you know, never looked back really, just listening to it most, like I said, most journeys.
0: Yeah. So, do you find that the topics and guests, especially that we have on, is it, is it, is there a lot of crossover? Is it applicable to to over there where you're
1: at? Yeah. the, The, well, for example, the training side of it straight away. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of crossover. You know, you guys like your pointers a lot more. You know we've got pointers over here, but uh, you know I'm a lab man through and through, um, and spaniels. You know on our shoots, if you go to go to a shoot, it'll be labs and spaniels majority of the time.
0: So so you're a lab guy. You just said that. What? Why a lab? What makes it? Is it just that's what's around you? Like you said, mostly spaniels and labs, or is there a purpose? Like, are you primarily a waterfowl guy?
1: Um, No, I, I think it's what the the kind of dog that I liked, um, it, well, funny, funny enough, I was never allowed a dog when I was younger. Well, you know, mum and dad would never entertain the idea. Um, and then my girlfriend, now wife, had a dog, had a Labrador. Ah. Uh, and from there, it almost spiralled, you could say, out of control. <laughs> um, you know, we're now seven dogs in, um, six of which are Spaniels, uh, sorry, Labradors. Um, and then we've got one spring of Spaniel. So, you know, I've dipped my toe in the Spaniels, but, uh, labs are, labs are where my heart is.
0: Right. So you didn't have a dog growing up, but were you a dog lover? Did you always like dogs yeah. or was it yeah. just kind of, you got with your girlfriend now wife and it's just like, Oh, I really like these things.
1: <laughs> always liked them. Uh, but it was, you know, having, when you're growing up, you, you just don't have time sometimes and your parents are too busy carting you around here, there and everywhere that you don't have time yourself to do it. So. Or to get a dog so they would never let me let me have one um and then you know when i, I moved out um i says well let's go look at some dogs then <laughs> and, and you know, it went from there we went and looked at some dogs uh first ones we looked at we, we we changed you know we weren't struck and we weren't sold and went to the second uh lot of dogs that we went to look at and you know fell in love straight away and you know you know when it's right um he was a gamekeeper um and as much as you're going to hate me for saying it, we got to, um, so we started off with a, a brother and sister, same litter, um, and, and then went from there really.
0: Hey, if you're crazy enough to try it, I, I know plenty of people that it's worked out for. I just know that many more people that getting sibling pups has not worked out for them. So what, in your experience, was it, was it as easy as you thought it was going to be? Was it more challenging? You know, litter mates—that's—that's that's a tough thing to tackle for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, uh, yes, it is. I would say that when we, you know, when we started out, um, they had the, they had their their tiffs, let's call it. Um, <laughs> so she used to bully. So Ruby, the female, used to bully the male Joey, um, and. It used to like he used to just cower away a little bit and not be keen um, and then it, as they've grown uh, with each other they're fine you wouldn't you know you wouldn't know any difference you know they both took to training they both took to life individually um, and so you know we've been we've been lucky we've been okay um, but like you say I do know of people that have had mates and been pulling their hair out
0: yeah it didn't get so time. smooth for them. Well, t- no. talk to me about the the hunting opportunities where you're at. You know what, what what do you have available to you in your area that you're trying to chase that a lab and a Springer seem to be the right fit for you.
1: Um, so the majority of the game that we have uh, around here will be uh, partridge, pheasants. Um, with depending on what shoot you're on, there might be some ducks. Um, but you know it, it depends on what shoot you're on. Um. You know the the shoot that I'm I'm on most of the time at the at the moment. You don't see a duck. There, there is no duck. You might get the the rare uh, woodcock, but you know there's not much else in the bag other than, other than those sort of things. Um, and then realistically, the 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 life's the way you get into it is sort of friends of friends or um, sometimes there's Facebook groups that you can be on. Um, but unless you you are in the click almost it's it's sometimes hard to find you see a lot of people trying to find the opportunities and and you can't find it like i always knew that i wanted to get into it but trying to get into it was a, is another ball game yeah you know it's not, not like knowing you know you don't know there's a shoot there on the saturday for example so you don't know to be there or to to meet the people to go and talk to them um we just thought like well i, I fell into a little bit with sort of a a work colleague he says we were down shooting some clays and he says do you want to compete and i go yeah i'd love to and then it you know it carried on from there really
0: yeah so i recently just recorded uh with a buddy talking about his experience coming from the states over to germany and getting approved through through their whole system because they they have a, a crazy testing requirement uh Crazy probably isn't a fair word for it. Uh, Extensive is probably the correct word that I was looking for. Uh, What is it like over there? Like you just said, it's kind of hard to to figure out what's going on, when and where. And I know the UK is a little different than how America is in terms of public hunting land and and opportunities. And like, what is it like over there? Is it all private land? Is it preserved? Do you have to pay for access? You know, kind of walk me through the landscape of that over there
1: so public hunting land isn't a thing okay you, there's there's no such thing you, you can't just um you can't just rock up somewhere with your truck and uh, you know and, and go somewhere um it's all private land so when you get permissions so you could approach um, a farmer you could approach a landowner and say hey you know i've been through some of the footpaths it looks like you've got a lot of pigeons on there or you know, it looks like you've got a deer problem. looks like you've got a fox problem. You know, anything like that, um, you know, and providing you've got the insurance, providing you get along and you've got to build the trust up, um, then you might get the opportunities to do that. Hmm. But again, a lot of these kind of things, for example, a golf course would only have one or two people that would tend to it. So, you know, the opportunities in an area are then taken up. Um, and, and, Yeah and unless you've got friends that do it or have those permissions again it's hard to hard to find it's not like you can just go on facebook or something and say hey anyone want me to anyone want me to come and shoot some pigeons over your land it's yeah it doesn't happen like that <laughs>
0: yeah and I, and I think that stuff like that is lost on a lot of new americans over here it's kind of like we're, we're we're blessed in a lot privileged. of ways we're privileged in a lot of ways but with that comes a lot of ignorance right you know people put their blinders on and they may not even recognize just how fortunate and lucky they have it over here that we can just open up our phones click on an onyx app and you can see public hunting land half an hour away from your house or or whatever it is to where you go over your way and it truly takes a concerted intentional effort to network and gain access to hunt and then that's only one property so if you if you need to hunt multiple properties which us as dog owners quite often we need more land and more more areas to run it's just one of those obviously it's completely foreign to me but that's why i love talking to people like you and in the german episode that i just recorded it gives us a whole new perspective it kind of keeps it at the forefront to where hey we are privileged to have this access
1: yeah yeah definitely like i was listening to one of your episodes and you were saying about you know going out and tidying up the grounds and, and looking after them. you know that's you know that's definitely needed if if you've got the access look after it because you know we 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 can't go to shoots some places and and just rock up because it, you're not allowed it, yeah as much as you might go oh, i'd love to you know you can drive along the road and go oh there's a pond over there full of ducks and you go I'd love to be over there working the dogs and stuff. You can't do it. You're just not allowed.
0: Yeah. And that's a completely different thing. We're talking hunting land. That also goes for you on training the dog, You having land and space to train your dog. So talk to me, what was it like as you kind of ventured into this world, not only having to learn how to train your dog, but also contending with the fact that you had to find a place to go train your dog?
1: Yeah. So... We, we were quite fortunate. Um, when we first got the dogs, we were very local to a farm that a farmer that I got along with. Um, so I could literally walk them off lead everywhere. I could walk them off lead. We could do little bits of training, um, walks, get them out, socialising, and exposure to you know things that they are going to come across when we're working on a shoot. You know, from a young age, they're straight away exposed to everything. Um, but you know that's only because I was in a fortunate position at that time, um, failing that, you know, you, are going to have to go to your local park and you go down to your local park, but you've got, you know, depending on what time you go, if you go down at nine o'clock, there'll be 10 other people walking their dogs and they all want to play together, mm. which is obviously not conducive to trying to train your dog for what we're trying to do. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just picking the place, picking the time. Um, it, and fitting it around work, you know, we've all got to still work and um, and do what what we need to do. Um, and dog training has to fit in around that, especially when you've got puppets. You've got to put the time into to doing as much as you can with them. Yeah.
0: And that that is interesting because I, when I'm training, when I'm in full swing training mode, you know, springtime, not hunting season when it's spring, summer and I gotta train. I will purposely go to public parks when there are a lot of people there because it's good distractions. It's it's a good nice change of pace, what have you. But if that's like your only option, it can be really tough to train a quote unquote gun dog because you know, it's just one of those things to where there might be other dogs there. It might be a dog park. You may have distractions, which is good for foundation, but sometimes you just need to be by yourself, one-on-one with that dog, working, retrieving, mark, whatever the heck it is that you're working. Uh, talk to me, like, on a city park, I'm assuming you're not allowed to be off-leash or planted birds or any of that stuff.
1: Um. Yeah, you, you will get looked at funny if you started taking <laughs> – birds and dropping them everywhere you know everything would have to be dummies you know you can't even use launchers and things like that because people will get a bit um uneasy if mm. they look at you funny you know straight away when you're even doing training on the park um but it depends on what area you know um lincolnshire which is where where we are currently um it's more of a done thing there's a lot more sort of um countryside people let's go with you know, go to Leicestershire, it's, it's not quite the same, but still it's there. Um, but you get, you, you get looked at funny and like I used to walk them around when they were very young, you know, just, and they would be well-behaved. They, they'd always be well-behaved from the start and people would look at you like, what are you doing? How, how are you doing this? And you're like, just, you know, just working with them. <laughs> some, you know, someone someone once said to me, you, yeah, the, you've got to be the most interesting thing to that dog. You've got to be the thing. They work for your praise. You know, it doesn't need to be biscuits. It doesn't need to be uh, a Kong necessarily all the time. If they will do it for your love, for your affection, then you're on to a winner, yeah. you know, just to please you. And that, you know, I've, I've gone by that quite a lot. I think that that makes a hell of a difference. For uh, You know, you haven't got to walk around with... Uh, a pocket full of treats. You haven't got to walk around with, with with their con all the time. You know, they're happy enough to just come back to you and go, look, dad, you know, I'm doing what you want. Are you happy? And you go, yeah, I'm really happy. And then, the, you know, and they're happy, I'm happy, everyone's a winner.
0: <laughs> exactly. I'm actually in the middle of that transition with my young pup right now to where uh, I, when they're young, I'm doing a lot of the, the marking and I have the kibble and stuff in my pocket, but I'm with you. I don't want to be carrying around kibble in my pocket for the rest of my life and you know hey whoever's listening to this if you're one of those people that constantly has a back you know a pocket full of treats or kibble have at it i'm not judging you just me personally i don't want to be always having to have that and so i'm kind of in that i'm changing up the ratio of rewards the timing of it the consistency of it that they're always getting rewarded but it's not kibble all the time. It's it's less and less kibble, and it's more praise and verbal praise. And uh, yeah, and, and, and it keeps she's them ta- yeah, it she's taken to it really well.
1: That's good. Yeah, it keeps them guessing. It keeps them interested, and you know, massively. If they can do things for you know different rewards, you know, in different durations, like you're saying, then you're just progressing them each time. Yeah, but if it's the same, it's the same treat bag, and you've not got the treat bag when you go for a walk. Right. And they go, well, he's not got the treat bag. You know? Why should I behave? I'm not going to get any treats. It, it's it's just a circle, isn't it? Yeah. And you just if you take break the circle and mix it up, then I think you're a lot better better off that way around.
0: Yeah, you you hear quite often people referring to e-collar dependency, you know, dogs know when they have a collar on or when they don't. And I know that you don't have that problem over there because e-collars are outlawed overseas, right? Yeah,
1: so, e- they're not quite outlawed, but you would not see them. Okay, They're, they're not a thing. Um, I've never actually seen them on a shoot. I've never seen people use them on a shoot. Um, yeah, it's just it's an alien concept. And
0: real yeah. quick, where I was going with that is, you know, there's e-collar dependency over here, not where you're at, but you can also have treat dependency. In food dependency. If, if you're rewarding every single time, that's when you end up with that three or four year old dog that won't do anything unless you're holding a, you know, turkey leg in front of it or, or what have you, uh, talk to me about what that's like because you don't use e-collars and you talked about you transition off the food. Is it what we preach all the time, doing it in the short grass, doing it up close and then just extend the, the distance and the duration?
1: Yeah. So just building up the stages of it really. Um, you know, using a mark is, is is brilliant for what you want to do because you can, you know, you're getting them, say, sat there. You can be you can be 10, 20, 30 meters away, obviously, building it up. If you can mark them at that point, you know, with a verbal mark or a clicker, then you, you've you done the right thing, and they can then come to you for whatever praise it is you want to give. It, it then doesn't matter whether it is your treat, your your Kong, your fuss, whatever, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm
0: absolutely so again I'm I, this is just a bunch of questions over kind of the the landscape of the UK but uh, ultimately I'm curious do you guys have any organizations or breed clubs that kind of help you figure out training grounds or even testing opportunities uh, maybe even organizations that help you with the hunting you know you're talking about having to network earlier do you guys have yeah. any nonprofits or organizations that kind of help you guys? figure that stuff out.
1: Yeah. So we've got, um, obviously the, you have the American kennel club. We have the kennel club, um, you know, same, same principle. Um, a lot of the dogs will, you know, be registered with the kennel club. Um, they don't have to be, but a lot of them are. Um, it also then links on to the training side of it because, um, like the field trials that you are talking about, um, that's all done through the kennel club. Um, but, Training towards the trials it's not something I've ever done to be honest um, but it's all done by um, independent clubs um so it'll be like you have your chapters all over the all over the countries um that's the same as, as we, we'll have different sectors and they will then hold their own competitions um so it, it's out there if you want it um, and that would be how you would network um, there's a diff- few different clubs around here i've you know I've got friends that go to them. Um, but it depends, you know, like you've said before, what you're using your dog for. Like for me, um, the opportunities I get is, is mostly beaten, which is probably different concept to what you guys do. Cause you go out on your own or, you know, with your buddies, with your dogs, with a gun, you will walk around. Whereas for us, I just take the dog, we take a flag and we, we flush the birds. We flush the birds over the guns. Um, like, you know, for, for today, um, we did. I think it was about a 500 bird day and that's that's one day of shooting uh tuesday they did about 300 monday was about the same 300 again and so we're constantly flushing 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 birds but not for us to shoot it's for somebody else to shoot
0: so you're essentially driving the field or the cover with with your lab kicking yeah. the birds out and then i guess uh, or. are that's what you refer to the blockers or whatever on the, on the outside that take out the birds as they kind of flush and, and get away from you and the dog,
1: not quite blockers. Okay. So you would have, you'd have the, the guns would be lined up. We would then bring in any cover from like the drive. One of the drives we did today was nearly like a mile, mile and a half. And we are flushing, we're flushing these birds up and up and up towards where these guns are lined out. We are then flushing them over the guns None of us have got guns anywhere else, just the, lo- just the row of guns. So there might be, there was four guns today, which wasn't many, but there's usually up to 10 they were, and they will be spread out. Um, and we're just basically <laughs> maneuvering the birds into position so that they get the, get the shooting. Um, you know, it's not the same as what you guys do. Obviously you're going out, you're looking for you know your independent birds for you to shoot, for you to retrieve. Uh, it's, it's, it's slightly different. <laughs>
0: yeah so four guns with 500 birds today yeah <laughs> i'm just trying to picture that like all right so i mean 100 plus birds per gun that's a lot of shooting you know it, uh,
1: double gun, double gunning with a loader um yeah lots of shooting
0: that's that's cool that's really interesting obviously completely foreign to me so that's why it's fascinating to me so it so each gunner has their own loader and they're just swapping it out, just birds flying around, and it's just boom, boom, trade out shotguns, boom, boom. That's awesome. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. It's,
1: yeah. It, you know, there's a lot of fun to it. It's very expensive.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: you know, you're probably looking at over a thousand pounds per peg. So per person that's shooting, at least a thousand. Um, so it's expensive, but yeah. it's good. It's good.
0: And so now are you are you the guide or per se per for that property? Like, are you, are you getting paid for your time and work on that? Or is this just an opportunity to go out and work your dog?
1: Um, We get gifted, um, you know, to what is expenses, isn't it? Like wherever you go, you've got to drive somewhere and with fuel prices, what they are, it just contributes towards, towards that. Um, so yeah, you get a little bit of a, a sort of a contribution. Um, most shoots, it's just a little bit of cash. Um, but it just, you know, the money isn't massive. You, you're doing it for yeah. the love of getting out with the dogs. Yeah. Like, you know, how me and some of the other guys that I was talking to today, look at it, you know, we get to go out with our dogs for eight hours. Then obviously like, you know, we talk about eight minutes being sort of a perfect training amount of time. But, what we're doing is we've got eight hours of constant training near enough, you know, whether it's heel work, whether it's um, obedience for literally just staying with, our, with us whilst there's, there's, birds flushing in front of us, um, retrieving as well. You know, we're getting it all, but the eight minutes doesn't quite matter as much because you're constantly moving forward through stage to stage. They're constantly interested. So, that's how I kind of look at it. As to well, I'm getting a lot of training. I'm getting my I'm getting my my bang for my buck really. Right. As to access to all this land, access to so many different um, types of terrain, cover, and everything we can work the dogs through, and it's and and we get paid to go there. Yeah. Okay. No problem.
0: <laughs> so I I can relate to that a little bit. I, I did a little bit of guiding when I kind of first got into the bird dog world. And, you know, you made you made a little bit of cash in your pocket, but not, it's not like you're quitting your full-time job to go do that on, on a hunting preserve. It was more or less just to cover the cost. And I, I looked at it as the same way as you did to where I can either pay to go get some planted birds and, and go train, or I can at least go break even and train on other people's dime and so i I did that for one year Uh, i've done like a a couple random spots here and there you get you get called but for the most part you know i prefer wild bird uh hunting and chasing them but the like you said if it it depends on your mindset if you go into it and you're like man this has cost me a fortune then you're probably not going to appreciate doing that very often but if you go into it to where a training opportunity where else are you going to get 500 bird contacts that you and your dog can go kick up, especially without you having to pay for it? And like you said, it gets really expensive if you're the one actually paying for that hunt.
1: Yeah, definitely paying. But, you know, you, like I said, you get exposed to, to so many different things, like, you know, uh, hares and rabbits flushing across in front of you, muntjac deer running in front of you. You know, that's just steadiness training all the time. But you've not set it up you've not prepared the dog you, yeah. you've, you've just got to react and you've got to make sure the dog's reacting to you and oh, yeah there's, there's it's a win to me Yeah, uh, you know i've got the time off work so i enjoy doing it
0: yeah so clearly some overlap like we know there is it's dog training is dog training so cl- very clear overlap very distinct differences as well cl- uh clearly one thing that's common between all dog handlers and dog trainers are we've screwed something up over the years, you know, whether it was our first one or, you know, even seasoned trainers will tell you that they screwed up yesterday. I uh, yeah. ask everybody that comes on for a profile episode, give me one example. Give me a, a story that uh, we can all relate to that something that you kind of screwed up on that that you learned from and, and you've applied to future training.
1: Um. So, Okay, so when I, not long after I got my first two, Joey and Ruby, I, I got another one. <laughs> I got a third one, I got Alfie. Um, and I brought him on quite quickly because I'd just done it with, with Joey, I'd just done it with Ruby. I was like, oh, I, I can do this. Um, I brought him on quite quickly, um, which, which wasn't an issue. But this is where I went wrong. I pushed him at the same speed as I was pushing Joey and I started pushing them together. So I thought, I can handle one, and I can do the training. I can handle two, and I can do the training. And it, it didn't quite work out. Yeah. Like that. Um, to the, I, I, I went through a lot of leads, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Alfie did not agree with having to wait. He didn't have his patience built into him enough at that point. Um, and dog's teeth can be quite sharp. And they bite they through leads quite quickly. Um, to, to you know, like you were saying about honoring when you guys point, you know, it's similar how I think about it. You know, when a dog's gone to do a retrieve, the other dog needs to honor it. He needs to let him bring that bird back to me and yeah. just go and find your own one. Uh, and he didn't like doing that. So there, there were many broken leads. There were many dummies that got ripped. And neither did Joey, to be fair. Um, but yeah, and I learned from that. I think, you know, giving them each their independent time, giving them each their. Their space to learn. Um, and then, you know, like when we go on the shoots, they will put it together, let them do things together. Um, you know, I'm still, still learning, still trying to get them to work better together and independently, but you know, it takes time. It takes patience and training.
0: Absolutely. That's, that's the name of the game on most of this stuff. Again, very, very similar lesson. I had to learn that lesson when we all get multiple dogs, especially for the first time you're, but I got multiple dogs. I want them to work together. Uh, yeah. And it's a very common thing to where you you throw them together too soon and it turns into something really ugly. Sounds, sounds like uh, Alfie cost you a, a few pounds anyway and uh, buying a, a couple different things, whether it was leads or bumpers, but hopefully yeah. it doesn't get that bad for most people.
1: No, no, hopefully not. But you learn from it, don't you? Like at the end of the day now, I, I know that if I get another pup. He'll work on his own, and Sydney's yeah. got to a point where okay, I'm sure that he can work, and he'll go with the steadiest dog, and we'll, and just build it up from there. Yeah. Not just chuck him in both at the deep end. Yep. And go, what could possibly go wrong?
0: Absolutely <laughs> makes sense. Well, the the other question that I always ask people coming on for these profiles is, you've been listening from overseas. I'm really curious about your answer. Uh, what. What's one of your favorite episodes, topics, guests, anything like that that you've heard throughout the years listening to us?
1: um there's quite a few obviously different episodes that I listen to um a few that stick in my mind um the puppy one well, I love the puppy ones. I love listening to how you guys you know you you go to all of the well you look at different breeders and you weigh up the different breeders and I think you know it's one of the first episodes. I just went back to the beginning once, um, and then it's more recently, I think it's the one you're referring to—the pup that you've got now. I was listening to that one, you know, today about puppies again, and it's—I think you're right. You 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 learn each time. You know, I've gone through six or seven puppy stages. And each one is is different. Each one needs different care, different time lengths. You know, like the crate training that you're talking about. Some need more time, some need less time, and it just takes to it differently. Um, so, yeah, I'd say that, you know, for, for most listeners, I would think that the puppy ones are, are great. Like, not everyone wants to sit down and read a book, but to sit and listen to information about the puppies, it's a lot more relatable than sitting reading a book, I think. Right. Um, so, yeah, that definitely.
0: Yeah. P- puppies are always fun to touch back on because, again, you learn from every single one, and the more people you, you talk to about their experiences with puppies. It's kind of like you—you uh, you can learn even faster by learning through other people's experiences and stuff. But it's—it's it's all relatable. Everybody's constantly getting a new puppy. You know, it's yeah. what one dog unfortunately passes on. You—you—you you, you replace it. It's—it's it's, it's it's yeah. a renewable topic to where some people will get a dog. It goes through the lifespan of its uh, of its life and. And it's done hunting. It's retired, or it passes on. You know, ten to fifteen years, and somebody's yeah. getting a puppy. And like, man, it's been a decade since I've done this. Yeah, had one, and and they yeah. gotta refresh their memory. So the puppy ones that that that's always a a well that'll never run dry, pretty much.
1: Yeah, like you know, some of the little little tips that you 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 had putting um, putting a, put a blanket over the crate, like it. Yes, it makes such a difference. Yep. You know, I've done. It, um, it just settles them down. It just chills them out. But unless someone goes, have you tried putting a crate on it, uh, a blanket on the crate? You'd go, Ooh, no, I hadn't thought about that. I'll try that. And you go, why did I never think of this before? Yeah, it, it doesn't work. It it does.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think it's really cool. I appreciate you reaching out and touching base with me. I love talking to listeners from all over. But you know, I've done a couple episodes with with people from overseas and different countries, and it's always a, a unique perspective that I just enjoy stepping out of our comfort zone and and reminding ourselves that we have it pretty easy in a lot of ways, uh, and and just getting getting to hear how you guys have to go about training or the process to go hunting in different countries. It's it's just fascinating to me. So I appreciate you reaching out and and listening to begin with from over there. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's just neat. It's just cool that guys like you are listening to me overseas
1: yeah it's i enjoy listening mate and i'm grateful for everything you guys do it's, it's great to listen to
0: yep well with that being said man again i appreciate everything i appreciate your time and uh i'm gonna go ahead and wrap this up but uh, i look forward to staying in touch and kind of seeing how you develop over there
1: yeah thanks man you
0: too thank you for listening to gdiy if you enjoy this podcast please remember to take a moment to rate review and share with a friend also, be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under gun dog it Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash gun dog it Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting.